In the name of Allah, most gracious, ever merciful, welcome, good morning. Assalamu alaikum, and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all from Wednesday morning. I lost my, th- I lost my, <laughs> my thread of thought there. It is Wednesday, isn't it? Gentlemen? It is Wednesday, yeah. From Wednesday morning, breakfast show with myself, Kayum, Brother Noor and Brother Uther. Good morning, gentlemen. Peace be on you. Good morning. Peace be upon you as well. Peace be upon all the dear listeners. And, you know, as always, always a pleasure to present here the Voice of Islam. And we do have a you know, very jam-packed show today with lots of interesting guests and intro- interesting topics that we'll be discussing today, inshallah. God willing. Um, as other says, interesting show. Um, on this fine, uh, it's, it's not cold. It's actually a pleasant morning. What's the, what's the weather been saying? Uh, so in terms of the weather, uh, the BBC weather says, today cloudy with spells of rain across northern England, southern Scotland, northern Ireland and the far north. The south will stay dry with bright spells, but it will turn cloudy in the afternoon. Tonight, a band of rain will sweep across the north with further outbreaks of heavy rain behind it. These will persist until dawn. The south will likely escape drier with clearer spells. Tomorrow, uh, see prolonged spells of heavy rain for northern Scotland, southern Scotland and the rest of the UK should stay drier with the variable amounts of clouds and a few bright spells at times. And the outlook for Friday to Sunday is that Friday will be cloudy to the west with showers of uh, or spells of rain, especially in northwestern Scotland and the Northern Isles. On Saturday, a band of rain will sweep across the north, followed by showers in northern Scotland later. However, the south will remain drier. Sunday will see some light rain across the far north. Lengthy, bright spells and variable cloud everywhere else. Now, as usual, we are here with two interesting topics that... Um, maybe affect us or most definitely affect somebody we know, friends, family. From 7.30 onwards, we're going to be talking about the aftermath of Christmas, which is always related to money. January is the driest month uh, from from a consumer perspective, but it's also uh, um, a dry month for people who are in trade because people have spent their money over the Christmas period. And as we know, we are going through a cost of living crisis. Things... uh, um, have been tight, um, but um, where usually people tend to spend money, which is uh, money they have in their pocket, or that's what one would um, hope for. But this year, as people didn't have money, they've gone and used the credit cards. Um, and uh, and now the charity, um, charity warns that Christmas debt may take years to pay off. And that's something we're going to be talking about from... 7.30 onwards till just after the news. And after uh, that, we will be talking about something again. We all think about it. We get concerned about it um, until we see what's been put in front of us. Uh, and then we forget that what health and calories are all about. We're going to be talking about uh, breakfast. It is apparently the hot breakfast month starting today. Or is it? Yeah, it's starting today. Um, And uh, so the latter part of the show is going to be about, um, you know, which what's uh, what's what's your preference? Is it the English? Is it the the subcontinental? Um, What is your choice of breakfast? We would love for you to join us in our conversations. Uh, Give us a call 0208-687-7878. Or you can join us on our social media platforms at Voice of Islam UK. Or you can email us via our website, www.voiceofislam.com. .co.uk. And of course, it won't be just us uh, having a chit chat. We will be talking to um, some experts. We will be looking at the um, the true 
um, serious side of uh, um, of of debt, and of course we'll be also talking to um, advisors around nutrition and uh, and experts who can kind of guide us as to um, what is and what isn't good to eat in the morning and how important breakfast is um, for uh, for us uh, in our everyday lives. Um, but before we do that, um, let's have a look at what the news round is and what the newspapers are saying. Um, gentlemen, anyone, uh, Noor, what's your uh, what 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 has interested you um, in in the papers? <clears throat> Good morning. Well, obviously the big one today is the the teachers' strikes going on across the across the country. I'm sure a lot of us will have uh, family and friends who um, you know their plans will be disrupted by this or unsure what's going on. I myself, I have two kids in school, and I'm just um, I'm still waiting for news as to what's going to happen for them. Um, will they be rejected at the gate? Will they be able to go back in? Uh, we have to make plans accordingly. Um, so you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people around the around the across the country who um, can sympathise with this. You have to take it um, with a pinch of salt because um, it's not just us who are suffering. Obviously, we have to see it from their perspective as well. There are teachers out there who have clearly um, gotten to the point where they feel the only way now to make a change is to is to strike and to and to force the government's hand. Um, you know, it's it's something which is which is very difficult difficult to see because you know they, they're trying their very best and they're very they're a very integral part of society. They're there to educate our children. They're there to bring up the next generation. You can say, and so um, you know, as a parent, you do feel for them as well. You want them to have the um, the basic needs that they that they require, especially in this day and age where we are having a financial um we're having financial difficulties and troubles and with inflation going up it is something which is difficult to see we're all suffering of course but um you know when when people who are there who are there to to support society like the you know the main the main pillars of society mm -hmm. you have nurses you have teachers you have firefighters all these people going on strike you want them to have a better life as well you want them to have at least the ne the necessities to keep going on in life well i mean if one was to put rationality on the table for once if the people who are supposed to look after us are in a bad place how will how will, how is it that we don't expect for that to have a knock-on effect exactly it's like a domino effect right exactly so they're suffering and in turn we're going to suffer as well so it has to start from the top yep. we have to have that justice right from the top and we have to have transparency we have to have uh, that's the key word isn't it justice. Some, yeah exactly transparency and sincerity as well in what we do we can't go about, you know, a dubious business. We have to take care of every level of society, which is something which, um, you know, which we as Muslims we, we really understand as well. It's something Holy, yeah. His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the Promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad, may Allah strengthen his hand, has been highlighting for years, isn't it? For Justice years. and governance. That 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 needs to be present across all levels. Exactly. Um, in, in, in society. He says that if, if there's justice established at every level of society, all these wars will come to an end, mm. all this bickering, all this fighting, all these arguments. There will be no more of that because we're all taking care of looking after each other's needs, not just thinking about ourselves. So when people, when governments start to think about their own pockets and not about the, you know, the people, you know, the, uh, the everyday people, you can say, of society. And, and that's the true definition yeah. of society, isn't it? When, yeah. What you referred to earlier, Nur looking after each other it, that's what creates a society yeah and you know even in islam we we're encouraged to look after others yes. even sometimes before ourselves yeah. 
sacrifice if, exactly that's that 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 spirit of sacrifice mm. is what helps us to then you know um grow together instead of um you know trying to stamp our way up to the top and you know trample over others we're actually bringing each other up together and that in in that way you see all the nurses all the teachers all the firefighters all the railway workers they'll all be uh, in a place where we can we can work hand in hand and bring society make society a much better place for one another well it is the largest strike that we have seen in this country for over a decade um Atra, are you affected by the strikes at all i myself personally uh, anybody in family um, or someone you know no per- not personally myself I'm not affected by the strikes, but obviously there are, you know, friends and family that are, um, you know, but uh, the thing is, I, I fully support the strikes in the sense that like exactly what you guys are saying, that uh, the country is essentially being run down by the people who are supposed to govern us properly. Mm. Uh, there's this, uh, there was a few clips that I saw on Sky News's social media channel where one journalist was going out and he was, you know, trying to interview some some companies some like broadband uh, companies that were supposedly you know funding some MPs uh, um their what are they called the constituency right mm-hmm. they they they're funding it but they went there and they're completely empty places they tried phoning them and they just put on hold or, or on on various days various mm-hmm. different days and they would just say oh oh please wait a minute we'll connect you through so like where are these you know where where are these MPs where are they getting their money where are they getting Or there's just too much corruption. That's a personal perspective, isn't it? It's my personal perspective, yeah. yes. But I'm just saying, a Sky News journalist mm. is going out doing this, and mm. it's there for everyone to see. I, I I agree with the sentiments, but is strike um, strike is a last resort? So, so understandable. People, people I can are, understand, as Brother Nu said, yeah. that people are put into a, a position where mm. they are not being left uh, any options, but even then i uh, as much as i understand the sentiments children um 80% of schools are closed today let's look at the knock on effect of that mm. that 80% of parents whose kids go to school mm. can't go to school they can't go to school so the parents can't go to work because childcare is something which is not available in this country mm. it's not affordable again going back to the same kind of scenario it's not affordable So parents will have to go back to parents are they going to have to stay at home and if they're lucky enough to have a hybrid life so they can work from home maybe they'll be able to no, do that. In your but, opinion sorry to just cut in in mm-hmm. your opinion do you think it is the fault of the teachers who are going on strike today? It's not about fault. This is the problem. The problem in society today that we're living in we are always looking to find faults somewhere. No but this is what you're saying this is essentially what you're saying. No no I'm not blaming anyone. Hmm. What I'm saying is Of course is, there is a knock on effect. I I is, I, I is do agree with that. Is strike the only action that. that is um that is there for them to pursue is the the knock on effect on society hmm. enough or worth what would be the for a country coming to country coming to a standstill. What would be the better alternative? Well we we have a voting system we live in a democracy we 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 can vote out the people when the time comes so you just like wait it out until then well we when we voted for these people mm. we knew that they were going to be in for 5 years so so maybe the point is that we need to be more informed when we vote for these people knowing no no that yeah i i do agree with that we did discuss that earlier mm-hmm. as well that you know a lot of people that do go on to vote they just they're just ticking a box they don't know what they're voting for mm-hmm. that is true 
So there's a problem. So there's a problem, isn't it? So what Mm. I'm saying is information, education, being aware of, again, I am not dismissing the hardship. Everyone is going to be suffering hardship. But the the thing is that we're bringing a country to a standstill um, in, in, in a manner which will, in fact, bury us even further into a hole that we've been trying to get out of since pandemic of no growth. Um, people, people will be affected. People will die. Hmm. Literally, yeah. people will die. Um, and again, underst- I fully understand that there is, uh, th- there is issues with governance that we have spoken about umpteen amount of times. Hmm. However, I am not, and I'm not saying striking isn't an option but i'm saying is is that the is have we got to the last possible scenario well i always tend to i don't understand we always tend to march on the streets and whatnot i have never seen a peaceful protest or peaceful get together of people outside downing street or maybe outside you know or or people contacting their mps and councillors um to say look if you don't do something we will vote you out and we we all we you just said mm. where are these MPs? Well, if an MP whose career is going to be, be in politics will have no option but to listen to you. So let's go down the route of writing to our people, going and seeing, go and go to the surgeries that MPs have. There are other options that people can pursue. Um b- because again, both of you, gentlemen, you young imams. I'm sure you 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 can correct me. No, but the striking will bring disruption in society, it, and disruption is not something that is can be looked upon in a in a in a positive way. I understand what you're saying, but you know there are a lot of people that do go onto you know these radio shows, talk shows, interviews on TVs as well. They do say a, a lot of people, even on social media as well, they say we do write to our MPs. We have tried all of this. They don't get adhered to. They don't get listened to. Well, then maybe I think we come back to the point of um, getting the right people in. That's it. Mm. Those above us, obviously, um, as uh, as we're seeing what's happening right now, the disruption is is nationwide. It's not just it's not just the schools which are being affected. It's the it's, it's the, the, the rails, the, exactly. the nurses, the hospitals, so everything. Yeah. As as that happens, there may be people who require emergency health treatment mm. and they won't be able to get that because of the disruption there'll be people who are passing away because of this as you said it's a, yeah. it's a real life or death situation look it's some. a worst possible scenario yeah. but it worst possible scenario means it will happen yeah I mean, that's what that's to be <laughs> as we go back to that the whole essence of justice once exactly. again there's because they, we can see sometimes on both sides there's that um maybe unfair demands yes and there may be unfair um cuts also happening within within schools and you know these these teachers may feel that they're 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 at the end, and there's not much more they can do. Um, I think one thing as a, as a believer, not just as a Muslim, you can say as a believer. I think in in many scriptures you see how God Almighty favors those who um, who show patience, and He says that there's a great reward for those people as well. Of course, it's not easy to to just say that. It's, I mean, it's easy to say that, and not also not easy to always act upon that. Mm. But as believers, sometimes we 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 feel the the effect of um, actually following those commandments and we see the results of those as well, sometimes we get an even greater reward than what we were actually expecting. And so and so this is something which is, I know it's not easy for uh, a listener who doesn't believe in God to, to, you know, to listen to or to hear, mm. but at the same time, we've seen how if we persist with dialogue, we persist with trying to um, get fair demands 
and not to ask for more than than what is required mm. and if we see from the other side as well that they are willing to listen and that they're willing to um to make the right choices when it comes to um where shall we make cuts where shall we add more funds where shall we take care of the you know our public sectors then we see that you know things can actually be resolved and we see that um you know bit by bit we can take the right steps in the right direction at the moment i feel a strike sometimes made maybe a few steps back where you you neither no one is being helped you haven't explored They've, all you haven't <clears throat> explored all the options yeah but would you say that utter kind of referred to as well that we are where's the mps and but we need to think beyond that in but, society as general that there is this absence of well even people who govern us govern us are answerable to someone isn't that where we kind of tend to lose track or we've kind of put a stop that there's nothing beyond that but that's what i'm saying like for um, i keep going back to for me as a from my perspective i can mm. only speak from from my own perspective for me there's always somebody watching me yes and that person watching that not person but that yeah. being who's watching me mm. knows everything in my heart yeah. and so if i if i know that i'm that i'm um, doing an injustice mm. if i know that i'm harming others from my decisions then i i i will i will feel that i am going to be punished for that or mm. will be i will be culpable for that so it, we need people who at least feel that they're not above the law we need people who feel that they shouldn't um you know there there will be consequences for for their decisions and they they have to feel that in real time because it's happening right now and these people are suffering because of whatever decisions that they're making up there and so for us as as you know the general public we have to see we have we given these people a chance mm. to make the right decisions and if they haven't then maybe it's time for a change maybe it's time for somebody else to make this decision somebody who we feel will be more reliable but you know you know you guys speak of justice so the the politicians the mps essentially they're supposed to govern the country right mm-hmm. with fairness with justice mm-hmm. but where is the justice when they wasted you know billions of dollars uh, billions of pounds on various different things like uh, ppe and you know those false contracts and stuff the covid contracts that money where's they gone why are they not answerable for their actions they will be answerable but at the ballot box because that's the system so we, we... just have to wait here until then that's life that is like, because thing is you see if we were no, to break if, it is if we were to break that it is system, essentially the last action that they can take you're saying that is life then no, they have they see there's no, no other way no the last out. action is do you go to the ballot box and you vote them out yeah that's but that's the last that, action. yeah but that's not going to happen anytime soon why not elections coming up maybe end of this year or beginning of next year that's election time what i'm saying is you see if a system is in place and mm. we live by it if we break that system that's anarchy and the society with anarchy is mm. not a society we 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 we're causing we're shooting ourselves in the foot because the ones who govern us whether we cause anarchy or not are still going to be okay but the 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 common man they won't they they that will cause no, no, division no. in society so as much as I, nobody is saying that the the sentiments of the people who are striking mm. nobody's disagreeing with their sentiment mm. we're looking at the processes that as brother nu said have we really said is this truly the last resort or there might be some others before we get to that point that striking is a point that's all what we're saying everything you've said we agree yeah. with mm. but what i'm saying is and as brother nu has alluded to is that there's a higher power that justice of we're course, looking for of course the of justice course. is that not is, from no, man we as muslims of course we believe in a no, higher no, power ju- no, not just muslims anyone who's a believer 
Hmm. Anyone who's a believer. I'm, I'm, no, I'm speaking yeah. just on our behalf. Yes, mm-hmm. of course we do. Mm-hmm. Anyone who else is a believer, who anyone who believes in a higher power, obviously they will turn to turn to whoever they believe in, mm-hmm. right? Whatever being they believe in. But uh, you know, you don't know like who who's a believer or who is not. Well, nobody knows. That's exactly. a, that's between God exactly. and the that's individual. That's between God and the individual. I, yeah. I I agree. That's between God and the individual. But they have their own but, rules and their own mm. regulations within their parties as well. They that's know it. That, they know that they have to <laughs> adhere to some rules as well. Yep. Um, but we have to also we can't forget that a lot of kids would also be happy about this. They're gonna. <laughs> they're gonna <be> <laughs> that's it. Of yeah. course. Um, you know, uh, it's coming up to seven twenty-five, seven twenty-six, and uh, we have uh, been talking about the a general strike. In fact, uh, one of the largest strikes that this country has seen for a decade. But one of the reasons we've done that is because just about every single newspaper um is leading with that uh so just to wrap it up uh, the independent has said britain will effectively grind to a halt on wednesday as widespread strike action takes hold it predicts 85% of schools will be closed uh, the daily mail has talked about it uh, in similar way walk out wednesday general strike in all but name the paper accuses teachers of cynical workouts um a cynical walkout i should say which betrays children uh, and there you have it you know the 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 role of the media they're blaming the teachers Hmm. Teachers aren't the only one on strike, but what they're looking to do is they're looking to divide exactly people from different they, professions. Will, yeah, they will spin their own narrative, shoulder the blame on somebody else. Exactly <laughs> that, and 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 who gets affected? Do the people who are uh, who have the power? They don't get affected by any of this. The people, the common man, the people who uh, who uh, are being affected are the consumers or the parents or the um, as I said, Mister Joe Blogs, people like us are the ones who get affected because from their point of view, what they're saying to us is, well, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Exactly. Yeah. That's what they're saying. And and we live in a society where headline matters. Nobody's going to read beyond that. Nobody looks at substance anymore. I think we have to also remember that a lot of these people who are going on strike, they feel like um, they don't want to be doing this, Yes. but their voice is not being heard. Yeah. So again, there's that, it has to be from both sides. It can't just be from... Um, you know, can't, we can't just blame the teachers for you know for wanting wanting more money. At the same time, the others have to be the government has to be listening to their demands and do what is fair, not just not just what every what everybody wants. Obviously, some people will ask for more than they require, and there'll be those who are asking for a fair pay increase. But at the same time, um, you know, a lot of these people are, they're struggling so hard. They may not know um, what else they can do, but they have their unions, they have their um, the people ahead, uh, you know, above them who can help. And you know they need to they need to be fair on both sides. So I have to keep um, reiterating that because um, that is something which which will bring about change. Um, but yeah, without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt, um, the Times and the Telegraph more or less. Uh, um, actually, the Times is the only one which has kind of led with a different uh, headline. Um, so we'll finish off with a little bit of a ray of uh, sunshine. Um, maybe there is light at the end of the tunnel after Brexit. Uh, the lead uh, for the Times is an apparent breakthrough on Northern Ireland's post-Brexit trading agreement. It claims that Britain and the European Union have struck a customs deal, and it understands that Brussels has accepted a proposal that would avoid the need for routine checks on products going into the province. However, Downing Street has insisted that no agreement has been reached, and what it has called the intensive scoping was continuing. One hopes and prays that uh, United Kingdom and Northern Ireland can come to um, um, a workable agreement um, that uh, keeps us, and from my, again, personal perspective, um, and and I suppose 
within Islam, Islam is a universal religion. So for 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 it goes with the universality of Islam that globalization is part and parcel of it. So one hopes and prays that we stay aligned with the with with the, with all the countries, with all the neighbors uh, that uh, that that we are uh, living next to. You're listening to the breakfast show with myself, Kiyum, Uttar, and brother. Noor, we're going to take a quick break and quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go on to our first topic of the morning, which is uh, charities are warning that uh, Christmas debt may take years to pay off. Do stay tuned. We'll be right back after these brief messages. Writings of the Promised Messiah, Salam. In order to establish the oneness of God, it is of utmost importance that one should love God to one's full capacity. And this love cannot be verified unless it reaches its perfection in a practical form. It cannot be proved with lip profession. You know, if somebody just talks of sugar, he cannot find the taste of sweetness in his mouth. Or, if somebody expresses the feeling of friendship, but does not help his friend in times of need, he cannot be called a true friend. Likewise, if somebody just talks of the oneness of God, but does not love him as he should, it cannot be of any avail. What I really mean is that practice is very important along with the precept. That is why it is necessary that you should dedicate your lives in the way of God. And this is the real Islam for which I have been sent to the world. Thus, he who does not come near this fountain that God has made to flow is very unfortunate. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Wednesday Morning Breakfast Show with myself, Kayu, Brother Noor and Brother Atar. Um, on to our main topic of uh, of the hour, which is um, charities are warning or charity is warning that the Christmas debt may take years to pay off. Um, Brother Atar, what is the gist of this story? So according to the debt advice charity Step Change, money borrowed to pay for Christmas could take years to repay. The charity uh, has said that uh, concerns over Christmas debt have led to a rise in inquiries as soon as the festive, festive season has ended. Furthermore, a poll by the BBC suggests that many respondents express concerns about their ability to repay their debts. Um, uh, also, the charity reported advising more people over debt management on the 3rd of January 2023 than compared to any other day of the previous year. A spokesperson for the charity Step Change, Richard Lane, states that Christmas can put great financial pressure on people, causing some to rely on credit and spend more than they can afford. In some cases, this can lead to debt hangover in the new year that may take months or even years to repay. He then went on to encourage people struggling not to suffer in silence. That's that's basically essentially the it, gist it is, of the It is, um, it is a topic that, yeah. um, you know... It's not just from. I mean, I understand from, a, from we are discussing the debt mm. uh, situation, uh, but it's not just debt, but the after effects and the um, the effects on one's 
mental health, hmm. um, um, which is something that uh, is very key because if the mindset is not there, it will affect every aspect hmm. of one's living, one's life. But before we get into a discussion, let's go and talk to our first guest of the morning. We've got with us Connor Darcy. Uh, Connor is a, a head of research and policy at the Money and Mental Health Policy Institute. He's responsible for planning and delivering the organization's research and using insight from the research to develop solutions to break the link between mental health problems and financial difficulties. He recently conducted research into how the cost of living crisis is impacting on the nation's mental health. Good morning. Welcome. Assalamu alaikum and peace be on you, Connor. Thank you for taking time out and coming on to The Breakfast Show. Good morning. Thanks very much for having me. Um, Connor, very important topic um, is something, I mean, I know we are talking about it just after Christmas, but this is something that within the society we're living in, it's becoming part and parcel of our everyday lives. My understanding that even babies that are born today are born with a debt. Um, so to begin with, could you introduce um, the the narrative of money and mental health policy institute to our listener? Sure. So we were we're a charity and we were set up back in 2016 by Martin Lewis, who some people might know. He's the money saving expert. Yes. And a lot of his day to day life is, you know, talking to people about their financial situation, giving them the best advice that he, that he can. And I think what came up in so many conversations uh, as you were, you were getting out there is how when we are struggling with our finances, when there are debts, when there are when we're struggling to make the right decisions that can really take a toll on your mental health through you know, stress, anxiety, lack of sleep, all these all these issues start to snowball over time. So he wanted to set up a charity to do more research into that issue. So we, we do research, we're not doing hands-on support with people, but we're trying to understand how those two issues are linked and crucially where there's an opportunity to prevent those problems from happening in the first place, whether it's financial problems or mental health problems, but also when people do fall into difficulty, what you know the government can do, what banks can do, what employers can do to help people escape from that cycle. So, Connor, um, another question I wanted to ask is: um, It's clear that people's mental health is being affected by by the current cost of living crisis. Um, but can you give us a bit more insight into exactly how how that is happening? Yeah. So this is. You know, something obviously everyone is everyone is facing and everyone is talking about. So we wanted to do some research into this to, to understand it in a bit more detail. And we did that through some, some polling where we, you know, go and ask 2,000 people across the country. But we also have a research community, which is a group of about 5,000 people who all have personal lived experience of mental health problems. And so much of what we do in our research is, is based on, on their experiences. So um, unfortunately, it looks like it's, it's been really tough for lots of people. In that national polling I mentioned, more than half of people said they've had some negative mental health feeling uh, because of the cost of living, whether that was feeling anxious or depressed or filled with dread at the idea of reading an email maybe from your energy company or reading a letter from a bank. And this, you know, was building into really serious difficulties for, for some people where for about one in six people, it made them you know, even think about taking their own lives. So that was even higher amongst people who are in debt. So some, I think, really big concerns over, again, that cycle where when a firm is really, say, you know, sending you lots and lots of emails and phone calls and letters trying to recover money, 
that can over time build up into that, you know, a mental health problem and, and make it even harder to, to deal with those issues. Connor, a uh, question comes to mind, if I may, um, it may be sounding controversial. When you do your research and when you look to uh, uh, to these certain groups of people and when you ask these questions, would you say, and again, it's opinion-based, everyone has their own opinions on it, but in today's world that we're living in, the pressures on the individuals are so that our, need, our wants have become our needs and we kind of tend to put extra pressure on ourselves to kind of fit within society? I, I think we do hear that sometimes. I, th- I think with the current cost of living crisis, because, you know, the the toll that energy bills are, are taking on people and just the, the pressure of just getting by with the bare essentials. I think when, we're, when we ask people, you know, costs have gone up, how have you adjusted your life? Hmm. People have cut back on some of those luxuries, but people yeah. are also cutting back on, you know, food and some some real essentials. We heard from some people who, you know, they might have been go, going to, um, you know, medical treatment and they now don't feel able to afford that. They can't travel to get there because they can't afford the, the bus fare or the, the petrol or whatever it might be. So they're just missing those appointments and that's damaging their health. But I, I do, I, I agree that we do also hear when people, you know, I, I think it's especially when people are thinking about their kids and they want to make sure they're giving their kids everything um, and that they're giving them a, a, you know, the, the same as other people in school, say, would get, um, that it just puts that extra pressure and we feel like we have to be at that level. Um, but yeah, I think in the current situation, it does just feel like more people are, are struggling to do the basics. Yeah, so Connor, you talked about how people are going through anxiety, they have depression, and you even talked about them, people taking their lives. Um, I wanted to touch upon that a little more. Um, you know, with the current uh, cost of living crisis, um, people should be more aware that they're, you know, it's very difficult to afford things which previously was um, was a lot easier to do so. What is it that's actually continuing to push them to, you know, to spend in a way that would uh, unfortunately push them towards taking their own lives, towards suicide? What is that link if there is one? Yeah, I, th- I think, again, suicide is, is always a very complicated topic. And for most people, there's there's not just going to be one thing that causes it or one, you know, one event or, or one one happening. And it can be a, a concern that's there for a long time. And obviously, you know, the, the only positive out of this is that lots of people who do have these thoughts, you know, don't don't take their own lives and do go and get help and support. I think we've we've heard a few different stories again because you know people are are so different in, in different situations. When you know if a if a bank is really chasing you, if you're we heard from one person who got I think seven seven contacts from a, a firm in seven hours through the phone and text and um, email, and that really does make people feel like they're just being hounded and bombarded and. There is just so much pressure coming down on them, and it at times makes people feel like there there isn't a, a way out. Um, and I think when you know there's, there's large sums of money that people are, are sometimes in debt to, that can really um, strengthen that feeling. But I, I think it's really important to, to underline that there is help out there. We do hear from people all the time in, in our research community and in our wider work how they felt like there there wasn't a way out. But they you know by getting in touch with organisations like the Samaritans or Mind or Rethink or just your your GP, that immediate help with your with your mental health is there. But there's loads of help for finances as well through you know debt advice organisations through um, you know on the government's website there's help for households which tells you how you can make sure you're you're getting all the all the discounts and all the benefits that you're you're entitled to and people do often find a way out of out of these situations. 
uh, Connor, what help is available for those who are facing mental health problems as a result of this? Yeah, so I, I think all those organizations would be really good. I, I think if, if, if someone is really, you know, struggling and if there's a concern that someone, you know, might hurt themselves or um, if you're, you're thinking about someone else, then calling 999 is, is usually the best thing to do. But yeah, the, I think the likes of um, Samaritans, uh, they're, they're not just there for people who are, you know, really, um, really, really struggling. They're there for anyone who wants to talk through some of these issues. But if you, yeah, if you need help with your with your debt, because again, because these two issues are so interlinked, but if you can get that help with your finances, it can really help your your mental health too. That you know, talking to one of these free charities who deliver impartial debt advice, like Citizens Advice, like Step Change, mm. like the National Debt Line, it and they get delivered in a whole range of different ways. I, I think this is a really important point that when people are, are struggling and because there's so much stigma around debt and around mental health that if you're, if you find this really difficult to talk about to another person or, or, you know, especially to sit face to face, you can, you can do this online or equally if you'd prefer to see someone and talk in private, a lot of these services are delivered in person too. So there's a range of different ways that you can, you can get the help that works best for you. I think, I think there's also, you know, there's a difficult situation where, there will be those who maybe are having these thoughts and they see how the debt is mounting, but they actually have to have to want that help in the first place, which is the difficult part. Some people may not want it. Some people may not want to talk to, you know, for example, the Samaritans um, call, uh, call center, which is there. Um, so I think it's also a big um, onus upon families to have a look and see who who is struggling and to also see who needs help as well so that we can, you know, find that for them if they're not willing to help themselves as well. So I think that's a, that's a big part, um, big you know, aspect of this as well. Yeah, it's a good point. And again, this is one of the real uh, ironies, probably not the right word, but just it's, it's just uh, adds to that cycle that when, you know, one of the common symptoms of when your mental health isn't great, it makes it that much harder to reach out for help and to take action. And people can just really struggle to make decisions that would seem sensible to, to other people or they can, you know, hide away from problems again because of your, your mental health problem. Um, it's so crucial to, I think, to talk about these issues, and I, that's you know another big part of why it's, it's, um, this organisation exists. It's because we want to make people aware of those links, and it's still, unfortunately, still not known enough. So, yeah, I think when when families spot other people struggling, or when you know talking about these issues, it just can can really help people to to get the help they need and get back on the, the road to recovery financially and, and mental health wise. And uh, kind of what steps is, you know, your organization taking on the ground levels to help with this issue? Yeah, as I said, we're this is a big issue for us in terms of our, our research. So it's we're going to be doing lots of work over the rest of the year, understanding how this is evolving. And what we do is we, we really try and talk to those people who can make changes. So mm. we do lots of work with banks, really emphasizing to them, you know, getting in touch early is, is a is a big one. So, mm. you know, as you were saying, people once they've fallen into debt, they might find it harder to to pick up the phone or, or talk to someone. But if banks are getting in touch early to say, if you're struggling, here's yeah. the sort of help we can provide, that can make a really big difference too. And I, I, I the main thing I'd, I'd really underline is that that our research community, that group of people who've, who've been through some of these issues themselves, mm. that is our our best kind of monitoring uh, for for this issue. And we really want to hear from a, a wide range of people. So if, if any listeners were interested in joining, our, our website is moneyandmentalhealth.org. And if you go to uh, the page on our research community there, you can sign up and get a chance for, for people to, to share their experiences and their views. That's, that's, that's great work that you guys are doing. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure. For now, take care and have a good morning. Peace be upon you. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.
Bye bye for now. Some excellent work um, being done by um, Money and Mental Health uh, Policy Institute. That was uh, Connor Darcy, who is the head of research and policy at this institute. Um, I know we're discussing cost of living, and we're also uh, discussing the, the the mental health effect of uh, um, of the financial difficulties that uh, we are facing. But this isn't something <clears throat> new, is it? This has been this is one of the the dilemmas of, I suppose, being the first world, is that. And and living in a society where credit, banks chase you to give you money. They are throwing money at you. And it's very difficult to say no when somebody's giving you money uh, because you want to be able to afford to give a good thing for, not. and I'm not saying for yourself, but even for your children. You think, well, if I have that money, my child will be able to get this, this, and this. Because from a mental health point of view, your concern is, well, if my child doesn't have that, they will develop mental health challenges. Exactly. So we're kind of inculcating this disease in society based on materialism, isn't it? Mm. I think it's... Um... It's quite interesting because it's very enticing, you can say, because it's it's like being laid on a plate, golden platter in front That's of you, right? right? It's a platter. Yeah. And um, it's like, it's for me, it's there. They've offered it to me. I can use it whenever I need. Yeah. <clears throat> so the the basic thing is that what it is, it's a trap in, in essence, because you're not, just, you're not just getting that money. Yeah. It comes with strings attached. Yeah. It comes with the interest that, the which comp- is there as well. And it's not <clears throat> just interest, compound interest. Compound interest, exactly. And now that's why a lot of people will now, be, in this month of, of January, will have receive these uh, bills from mm. the credit cards and stuff because you know they're they're paying for things which are beyond their means when you start to go into that credit uh, that compound interest starts to also build as well and um <clears throat> if they're unable to pay that right away that's going to they're going to find themselves in even more trouble and so i think that one thing that they need to bear in mind is for for me especially i what i feel is that i have to avoid any places where there's um the interest the aspect of interest is involved because that's what islam teaches mm. teaches us in essence right it teaches us to try and to um, to deal fairly with one another. Uh, if you are to if you are to loan money to others, you should do it in a way that they only have to return what whatever they paid. That's right. Exactly. So in that sense, um, it doesn't come with those strings which are attached with these credit cards, which are which mm. are prevalent nowadays. Uh, the usage is, which, which is rampant actually. Mm. And so um, it, it might seem that I'm I'm talking as a as a person who is against probably gift giving or something like that, or Islam teaches not to do that. Mm. But it's the, the total opposite. It, it's the total opposite. Yeah. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, actually said, "Give gifts to one another that will increase you in your love for one another." Yeah. And he said that giving gifts also removes the the ill will which is in people's hearts as well. So if there is anyone that you you know you might have some um, there might there might be some rancor in your heart for somebody, give them a gift, mm. and you will see how much they they change as well. Yeah. Um, so it's not something which we're speaking against. Giving gifts is actually it's it's, it's a good thing, and it, and it helps society as well. But at the same time, Islam um, teaches that you should do it within your means. You should always spend within your means. It is not it's not always about these high quality um, goods. You can't always buy the PlayStation Five or the latest car or or whatever people are after these days and feel just feel the pressure because that's what people want. You know, I 
I think that influences, you know, the so-called influences in today's society, celebrities and stuff, they have a very big role to play in this as well. We covered this topic last year on uh, one of our shows that uh, China banned celebrities from showing off their wealth on the internet. Because, you know, the, the younger generation, especially today, they look at these celebrities and these influencers and they think that this is the goal. This is the aim. And that's what they put into their mind. And that's what, you know, it turns them towards materialism. And they that, that's what they want to achieve. And, they, you know, it can even lead people down the wrong path. They just they just think about money and they think that is the end goal. Just to make money. Well, I agree. Mm. But I don't want people, I don't want the listener to get the impression that we're picking on them. It is. No, no, of course. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a whole, it's a lot bigger than that. Mm. Money does matter. You need money to live. You, of course. And of course, I'm not saying There is that, nothing yeah. wrong with, mm. no, no, no. You, feel, you feel like you're being picked on. <laughs> I'm not picking on it's you. It's on the defensive today. Yeah, 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 very yeah. defensive. <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying, what, hence why when I started the conversation, it's, mm. it's about first world. First world is all about mm. greed. It's all about power. It's got to that point. Yeah. And, we are. We have got to a point where society has been pushed into a corner. Again, it could be is related to something we were talking about earlier. They've been put pushed into a corner that they have no option. You know, we, we hear things like, "Well, you either eat or eat." So you either pay for your bill, mm. or you or you, you go hungry. Mm. And we've kind of pushed the 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 lower economic scale, people who live on the lower economic scale, into a corner where they don't have a choice. And it's unfortunate, but the truth of it is, the more they suffer, the more the people who are three or four tiers above them, the more money they will make. They're the ones benefiting from it. That's mm. right. And that's where, again, we will keep on going back to the teachings of the promised Messiah, the founder of the Yemeni Muslim community, and the sermons and the addresses given by his fifth successor, Azimuzah Masurahmad, may Allah strengthen his hand. Justice isn't about just the one person. It starts from the top. Whether it's someone who's governing you or whether it's someone who's selling you a product, even within trade, because we're talking about cost of living. The Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was a merchant. He was, a tra he, 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 he was in trade. Yeah. Hmm. His, along his, with his wife. Along with his wife, who was, in fact, if, you know, in, in today's world, she would be in the Forbes <laughs> because she was one of the wealthiest and the most respected business people or business women of that era in that, within that locality. And the Holy Prophet always talked, again, of rules and compassion and justice, even in trade, that when you buy of someone, don't squeeze them so much that they only get left with a, a meagre profit. No, leave them enough for them to live a good quality of life. And when you sell that product, don't sell it at such a profit that the person who's buying would have to give up certain things to in order to get that. Sell it at a price where, again, they're able to enjoy what they're buying and still have enough left in their pocket to do other things. There was even an example where somebody had uh, had given a really low price value for, for what he was selling. And exactly, it was a horse, I think. Yeah, exactly, increase the price mm. of it because it's worth a lot more. Yes. So it's not just that, he's, you know, Islam teaches to be miserly. Yeah. It's the opposite. It's yeah. about giving true value. 
And these are not just telltale stories. These are real events that happened at the time of the Holy Prophet. And again, over time, people have forgotten these messages. And within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, we believe that the promised Messiah, the one, in fact, Messiah who everyone in this world, the most people who believe in God is waiting for, has revived that true teaching. And again, it's the true authentic teaching of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that... You know, everything that has been diluted for the past 1400 years, he's wiped away and he's brought it back and said, well, the original teaching is the original teaching and it is still applicable today. We see people at both extremes within Islam as well. Yes, of course. And so the Promised Messiah came to show that Islam teaches to follow the middle path, neither to go to one extreme nor to the other. And we see that we even, even within Muslims today, we see how people go to extravagance on one mm -hmm. side and on the other side, there's absolute miserliness. And, you know, the Promised Messiah has taught us that to follow the middle path is the way forward, which is what the Quran teaches, which is yeah. what the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, taught as well. And the f a fundamental aspect of this was to, to look at those, not to look at those who have more than you. Yes. Because if you do that, then you start to you start to envy and you start to want more and more and more. And it's, then you end up spending more than you actually nature, have. It's human nature, isn't it? Yeah. Instead, he said to look at those who have less than you. Yes. And that, in that way, you will develop gratitude and you'll even want to help those who have less than you. And if society does um, act upon that, then from every tier of society, there will be people who are helping those who are you know, less well off than them. And you will see that trickle down through the whole pyramid and people will, in essence, um, in totality, they will all be um, benefiting rather benefiting. than suffering. And, and again, from a, that's from a materialist perspective, but from a spiritual perspective and from a character building perspective, if you know someone of a better character than you, then of course you look up to them. So again, they go hand in hand, they're intertwined because if you improve your character and your spirituality, then what Brother Noor, you talked about in respect of being more grateful, will be, it will actually come easier to you. They, they are intertwined because one is a mindset and one says the mindset and um, is there, then everything, the physicality of living will will follow because, because, because yeah, they're intertwined. Yeah, exactly. And we're talking about this whole um, debt and people yeah. are going into debt. I think the other aspect of it as well is that um, when we have that gratitude ingrained within our, within our, our beings, mm. then children and, you know, and families will not be asking for the most extravagant uh, gifts that they can, that the parents can't even afford. They'll, they will be happy with whatever, with whatever their parents have given. And in that sense, then there won't be that pressure on the parents either. And on, and on the other side, the children will always be happy. Something that, you know, it will link up with something we will talk about after the, after the news. But what I tend to, it kind of frustrates me and, and, and I, kind of get annoyed with it is in in crises like these i you know people and society and social media and mainstream media they tend to always say well we need to cut back and the first thing people tend to do is cut back on the quality of their food or the amount of their food yet they won't look at the trainers and the clothes and and the, the needs and the wants of the materialistic aspects of their life they, that's the last thing that they will look to cut down on. Whereas you work, you work hard to ensure that you eat good, you eat quality, because you are what you eat and is something we will discuss again in the next hour we'll go, or so. We'll but one step further, is what you yeah. are what you absorb. <laughs> Even, yeah, that, yeah. True, hmm. true. Um, but that, is it me? Because I'm the old boy, you're the young ones here. Is that the message going out there that people are kind of, willing to compromise on the quality or the amount of food rather than um, 
maybe thinking again, brother, what you said is to live within your means and maybe buying something which doesn't have a brand name on it. Exactly. As I said, once you have that aspect of um, gratitude, you won't be looking at brands. You won't be looking at, you'll be looking at the sentiment that my parent or my family member has give, has gotten, has given me something. Mm. And, you know, you, you'll be happy with whatever you're given, right? Because in the, in, in the end, everything is from God Almighty and you show gratitude to him. That is what, um, what we are taught. And that is what enables us to, to go by in life without um, having to um, always feel that we, we, are, we are suffering or that we, are, we have less than others. Mm. And, you know, when you have that in your mind already that I'm doing well and I'm very happy with what God Almighty has given me, there'll be others who, who have much less than us, who haven't got a roof over their heads, who haven't got um, even, you know, meals, mm. the three meals, basic meals a day. And we'll be looking at ourselves and we think, actually, wait, you know what? I do have plenty. I have enough to to get by, and I should be very happy that I do have that. And I in in the in the end, you'll even feel like those people who have less, I'd, I want to help them as well with, with the means that I do have. And that is something which is encouraged within Islam because then it teaches us to, um, because God Almighty says, if you if you give a goodly loan to Him, then He'll give you more in return. So that aspect of it as well, that um, helping others will also help you help yourself. It's not just about um, um, just being um, just all about yourself in life. Hold that thought. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to go to the etiquette news. Join us after the news. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB via the internet 24 hours a day welcome back to wednesday morning breakfast show with myself you brother noor and brother utter um we are talking about the cost of living and we're talking about the mental health effects of the financial difficulties that people are suffering especially after christmas um where people have um spent a lot of money um and I, I can see, I, I visualize this, this this image of these parents who are being kind of pursued by their kids to buy these things that they've seen on TV. Mm. And the parents are no, they know they can't afford it. And then a letter comes through or a ping on their phone where the banker said, we will give you so much money and we will charge you no interest for six months. Mm. What they don't tell you is the second you go over six months, all of that interest for all of that period is something that will be added on to what you owe. And you already are in a position where you're not able to properly heat your home. You're in a position where you're not probably able to afford to feed your kids. And then what you've done is um, not understood the deal that is being offered to you by the bank. And you've taken on this extra responsibility, which will cause nothing but stress. But before we have this discussion, we have... Um, got uh, someone who's called in we've got the the vice president of the united kingdom of the Amdi muslim community we've got mr um respected um akram ahmadi um good morning welcome salaikum peace be on you sir thank you for giving us call yes salaikum how are you uh, all praise belongs to allah thank you for asking sir um i understand that you would uh, you 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 wish to comment on on our discussion Yes, indeed. Please because, do, please you know, do. It's all yours. I'm, uh, as you know, I'm chairman of the Association of Ahmadi Architects and Engineers, which is an NGO, and uh, 
we do a lot of charity work around the world. And uh, uh, I believe uh, the topic was uh, uh, how are charities going to cope now uh, after Christmas, you know, uh, because uh, they have suffered quite significantly uh, on lack of funds. And this is uh, very true because, uh, as you know, that uh, the UK government uh, has uh, reduced the amount they give towards uh, charity uh, from 0.7% to 0.5% uh, on on the G, uh, on on their uh, on their budget, and this is going to have a very significant effect on all the charities. So all the charities are suffering because of the uh, less amount of uh, funds that they are going to receive. The, this is compounded by the fact that the Ukraine war is also now what we give, uh, what the UK gives towards the Ukraine war is regarded as charity. So that the other charities like ourselves, uh, where we don't get uh, much from the British government, but other charities are also suffering a lot because of the less amount available. So this is one of a very serious problem. And this is uh, sort of uh, in the whole world, other countries are doing the same by reducing the amount governments give towards charities. Uh, the charities are suffering much, much more. And that has, a, and of course, that has a knock-on effect on the end user, who's the one who's in true need, isn't it? Exactly, that's right. It's, uh, I mean, uh, you know, imagine, although 0.5 percent or 0.7 percent may not sound a lot, but for charities, that is a lot of money, and that is on the national uh, budget. So you can imagine, there's millions of pounds we are talking of here, which they are not getting. And because of wars like the Ukraine, the, the charities are also getting less money. The normal charities, you know, like, uh, uh, for example, uh, the one uh, Water Aid and others, they are now getting far less money than they were before. And they are suffering because of all this. And now, Ms. Amdi, now, I, 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 yes. I appreciate the, the, that that is the, the negative aspect of what the government is saying. But you, as you've mentioned, you're chairman of, of an NGO. Um, and uh, if, if for the benefit of our listener, because we the, the NGO that you're chairman of, it doesn't it, it relies on more from contributions from people of members of the society, doesn't it? Yes, that's right. We are, we are very fortunate. And, uh, you know, and uh, His Holiness, Mr. Masur, who is the uh, fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Association, has ensured that we don't suffer because of the lack of funds, because our members, alhamdulillah, are all the time uh, giving towards charities like ourselves and Humanity First. And so, therefore, we don't suffer in our work. But I am talking on behalf of all the other charities because, you know, when I go to some symposiums, some... Uh, conferences, this is the vibe I'm getting, that they are really suffering. <clears throat> In fact, uh, I, the United Nations has invited me 
to uh, go to the Thailand uh, on the 12th and 13th of next month to give a talk on this on this aspect of how much uh, charities are suffering because of lack of funding uh, now compared to last few years. Uh, this conference, which is going to be held uh, in, in Bangkok, is actually uh, uh, to tell the world that, uh, you know, the charities are suffering very significantly. Now, as you said yourself, you know, we are very fortunate, the Ahmadiyya Muslim Association, because uh, His Holiness, Hazrat uh, Mirza Masur Ahmad, who is the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Association, has ensured that we receive our funds all the time for working in, in the charitable organ, uh, work that we do. In fact, uh, I think uh, it may be worthwhile mentioning here, you know, traditionally, we have been working on water wells, bringing electricity to remote locations, and having village projects where we, we provide water and electricity to many villages. But uh, in, in the last symposium that we had last year, uh, His Holiness extended our work and said that uh, you need to look into the food baskets of Africa, see how we can help them so that they can also stand on their feet. And alhamdulillah, our association is now working on making small-scale uh, farmers in Africa stand up on their feet by providing uh, guidance uh, on producing fruit and food uh, for the Western world, in fact, uh, ultimately. We haven't reached that level, but it is a step we have taken, and this is going to help uh, uh, you know, small-scale small farmers. And so uh, this is how we are progressing that not only have we uh, not only are we reducing our workload but in fact in the future we are going to increase and help the poor countries of the world uh, stand up on their feet wonderful so this is so it's just so wonderful isn't it it is without a doubt Ms. Amdi, yeah. I, I want to thank you. I, I uh, Forgive me for cutting you short. We are coming up to the end of our segment. Um, I, I want to thank you for calling in and giving us more of an international perspective of as much as we are looking um, uh, on a national basis of the need of the people. But we, uh, what you have done is kind of reminded us of how, in fact, there are much, much more, uh, a greater part of the world who is actually going through a greater suffering than what we are and how you and uh, the NGOs that you are chairing are assisting in providing uh, the most basic necessities for these people to survive and thrive. So thank you for doing that uh, um, and thank you for calling in. May peace be with you, sir. Okay, thanks very much. And that was uh, Mr. Akram Amdi, who is the chairman of the International Association of Amdi Architects. And he's also, um, you know, he, he um, leads... Um, uh, projects in Africa and in um, in countries where there's been, um, you know, where, where there's a shortage of food and water, and and they build model villages and um, and you know it's they they you know that that uh, um, you know famous saying is not giving the fish but teaching how to fish, is is the kind of the ethos 
that uh, the, the the community charities uh, work with. Um, we are coming up uh, to the end of this segment. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to go on to um, Atar's favorite topic of the morning, which is <laughs> Atar. What did you have for breakfast? Think about it and let us, the listener know because it is National Hot uh, Food. Uh, uh, it is National Hot Breakfast Month starting today. And uh, that is going to be the topic for the next 45 minutes or so. We're going to talk to some um, fantastic experts who will kind of shed some light um, on this topic and educate us. So do stay tuned. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with myself, Kayum, Brother Uther and Brother Noor. Um, and we're going to go and grab ourselves a cup of coffee and uh, join you. So do stay tuned. His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the present head of the community, continues in his effort to unite people from all faiths and cultures by promoting interfaith dialogue and religious freedom. He has traveled extensively to spread the message of peace and to remind everyone to respect the rights of other human beings. During these tours, His Holiness has met world leaders from the Far East to Europe, from North America to Africa, discussing the economic, social and political problems facing the world today and how to create peace and justice in the world. He has also met religious and community leaders in order to share common values and core ideals universal to all religions and cultures with a view to improving the moral state of mankind and creating an atmosphere of love and affection. From young to old, he compassionately listens to the ordinary man regardless of race, color, or religion. He has personally initiated social projects and schemes to alleviate poverty and human suffering. His concern is not just about the well-being and moral state of the members of the Ahmadiyya community, but of the great human suffering of mankind at large. The Ahmadiyya community knows only that Islam, which is the Islam of love and affection, offers a real message of peace and security. Welcome back to Wednesday morning breakfast show uh, with myself, Kayum, Brother Noor, Brother Other. Brother Noor, we are talking about the origin of the National Hot Breakfast Month. Um, we are the breakfast show. Um, <laughs> what is? What are we talking about here? So February marks the the month of National Hot Breakfast Month, and um, it is basically we've often heard the saying that uh, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And the old saying that eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. So it makes you really think that you know breakfast must really have a lot of significance and a lot of importance. And that's why um, in this month the initiative has been has been started to not just have uh, increased the awareness towards uh, breakfast, but also towards having a hot meal. And so um, they're trying to encourage people to consume something which is basically more than just a bowl of cereal. Um, and and to develop that habit of um, preparing your meals in the morning as well. So to have something which is uh, nice and warm um, to in the morning rather than just a, b a bowl of cereal is to, um, you know, that, that really prepares you for, for a good day ahead and gives you more energy and to, and to kickstart your day in the, in the right way. Um, there's, there also has an important role in uplifting people's moods and in allowing them to, as I said, to, to build good habits. And, um, you know, not just for this month, but for the entire year. Uh, it's also important because it allows people to have, um, you know, that real foundation towards, um, um, you know, taking taking the right steps in in your life to um, to have a good routine and good habits, and allows the health, it improves the health, and it also improves the the mental health as well. 
And to incorporate this in everyday life is something which they feel is is very important. And that's why we are celebrating in this month the um, National Hot Breakfast Month. So what was your hot breakfast this morning? My hot breakfast was not very hot, aside from my coffee. Um, uh, I did have to rush. Um, so I had my had my banana, had my potassium, and uh, had some water in the morning. And then on the way here, I did have a, a nice coffee to uh, to keep me going. Brother Arthur. Tell me, I, you had, tell me you had uh, something you know, I had a glass of water and uh, like a, a cake in a packet. That's it. Cake? Yeah. Is, that, is, that, is that what your normal breakfast is? No, no, no. no, no. What's your it's normal breakfast? Normal breakfast. So I have, um, it's uh, called a paratha. It's a chapati, <laughs> but like... You mean, it's, it's you, you, you mean a, a, a chapati which is uh, dipped in oil? Dipped in oil, yes, essentially. Okay. And then I put some Nutella on it and then I have it with a cup of tea. Now, odd, odd combination. <laughs> pe- people of your generation, <laughs> you call it fusion. I call it confusion. <laughs> <laughs> but it fuels me. It's, it's, it's a heavy breakfast, but it's, it's, it's nice as well. What about you, brother? Oh, no. my wife. I'm lucky that my wife cooks me all kinds of things in the morning, and um, so I have I have a variety. I don't have a fixed thing every day. It could be it could be avocado. It could be some some sandwiches. Could be See, some there's, egg. There's, there's this is this thing. this is the guy. Yeah. yeah. See, it's kind of with me. It's it's avocado on a. On a nice uh, spelt and rye toast, Oof. yeah, <laughs> with a bit of avocado, with a poached egg and chili flakes. Yeah, Oof. that is my favorite. <laughs> and I, you know, that I guess is, I'm, I'm from your generation. That is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, one I'm, foot I'm, in both I'm, generations. I'm a, yeah, we, most definitely. But um, interesting how the the you know the the varied breakfasts. Um, but let's go and talk to our guests um, of the morning who can kind of shed some more. Um, kind of educate us as to what we are doing right and what we are doing wrong. We've got with us um, uh, Francesca Nicholas, um, and uh, who is a highly experienced nutritionist and clinician uh, with a bachelor's in nutrition and a master's in clinical and public health nutrition, and also a master's um, equivalent in health and well-being physiology, and a diploma in Nature is okay. That's a word which naturopathy. naturopathy okay, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Something I learned today. She sees a lot of clients within the sports and muscle gain arena. She is also a clinical nutritionist, so she works with clients who have health conditions such as diabetes, cholesterol, and high blood pressure. Good morning, welcome, Assalamualaikum, and peace be on you, Francesca. Francesca, thank you for coming on to the breakfast show. I think we also have Kirsty Thompson, right? At the same time, yes, we're both here. Oh, okay, <laughs> sorry. Okay, then, then sorry. My apologies. Uh, Kirsty okay. is uh, Kirsty. We've got also with us Kirsty Thompson, um, and Kirsty is a competent registered nutritional therapist with both the Complementary and Natural Healthcare Council and the British Association for Nutrition and Lifestyle Medicine. She studied nutrition at CNM, and she also sees a lot of clients with something I'm very interested in, which is gut health-related conditions, anxiety, and depression. Ladies, thank you um, for uh, coming on this morning. Peace be on you, and uh, thank you for calling. Coming, uh, thank you for coming on to the breakfast show. Thank you for having us today. You're so welcome. Um, we can't wait to talk to your listeners. Well, let's start with uh, Francesca. To start with, yeah. could you please tell us uh, or tell our listener what NutriPath is? I deliberately didn't give a. Uh, kind of a definition of a NutriPath because I wanted you to kind of explain to us what is it all about. Yes, of course. So 
at NutriPath, we are sort of next generation nutritionists. So what we do is we provide virtual one-to-one sessions and self-care plans. We offer sort of testing and supplement help if it's needed with a client and their journey. And we also provide webinars along with that. Um, aside from the sort of one-to-one help that we also offer, we do some group work into um, companies and work on their employee health and well-being. Mm-hmm. So we produce health analytics using our health analytic data where we can analyse movements in your company or your employee teams are focused on. And then it gives us key indicators and areas to focus on for their health. So then what we'll do is we then create a personalised either one-to-one package for that individual person or for a team within your company where we can then help you in many ways, whether that's providing webinars. We go in and we also do a few sort of physical events as well. So we did one in London recently where we did like Guess the Weird Fruit and we did a whole gut health seminar, which is probably something that you're more interested in. So we um, prepared some breakfast items that would help and aid gut health. And it was a more interactive session. So we're sort of a wide variety of company um, aspects in terms of corporate and also one-to-one help with clients. So moving on from that, um, I think I'm going to go on to a key question. Just But before that, I want to ask, like, obviously in the morning, people get up, they're hungry. Cla- clarify <laughs> who you're asking, Kirsty or Francesca? I think uh, I'll give it. I'll keep it open. Let's see who gives the uh, the more interesting answer. Let's see. (laughs) So, what is the what is the main purpose of breakfast? Obviously, we're hungry in the morning, but is there something deeper to that? Yes. So, what what would be the main purpose is probably something that people don't think about too much, and it's your blood sugar management or your blood sugar control. So, especially in communities that do suffer more from things like diabetes it's something that's a really really key focus but in general our blood sugar management is a really important part of living a healthy lifestyle so it's really important to almost to understand how to stabilize them so this will help you look at your breakfast plate differently tomorrow or would you look at maybe not just having that coffee and actually introducing some sort of food into your into your morning and we really want to take a good real care of our blood sugar levels because when they fluctuate what you get is you get physical symptoms like irritability or you can get a lack of energy so it's not really a great way to start your day especially if you've got a lot of things going on and we obviously like to be very productive in the morning and if we start to skip breakfast on a regular basis what will happen is health concerns like diabetes like potential high blood pressure cholesterol and that's why having sort of the purpose of eating breakfast in the morning is that you balance your blood sugar levels and it's one of the easiest ways to start to improve your health, not just physically, but also emotionally too. And I'd probably like to just say that there's many hardworking teachers out there that probably see when their students come in in the morning due to poverty, etc., that haven't been fed breakfast. And they will recognise and hear me when they think how difficult it is to teach a young mind without stabilising blood sugar levels. Interesting. Yeah. Um, one question comes to mind. Um, uh, if I may come to uh, Kirsty, um, it's also the easiest meal to miss in the day. So, what's the w- what's the negative aspect of that? 
So do you mean the... The breakfast. With, with, it's also, the breakfast. Breakfast is also the most easiest um, meal of the day, um, which mm -hmm. people do tend to miss because either they're in a hurry or their systems yeah. are just not used to it. Or, in, yeah. in like in recent days, everybody talks of intermittent fasting. And on breakfast, intermittent fasting, amongst a, a lot of my friends, that's the one mm -hmm. meal they kind of miss because they're going through they the intermittent fasting process. Yes. Um, and just to touch lightly on intermittent fasting, intermittent fasting has health benefits, but it doesn't have the same health benefits for everyone. Mm -hmm. So if we all followed the same intermittent fast where we stop eating at 8 p.m. and then we restart eating at, say, lunchtime or so, that might have beneficial effects for maybe one out of 10 of your friends. But actually, without you realizing, it could start to have negative health consequences in the future. So when we say we know that breakfast is or in the morning, it's a very rushed part of our day. Mm -hmm. But we do have the facilities now where we can make breakfast very easy and very quick. So whether that's like, you know, a quick slice of toast, whether you're commuting in and you've got obviously your preps or your Leons, where they do have those ready-made breakfast pots. Is it a couple of boiled eggs? Is it a smoothie that you blended the night before or even overnight oats? So we do have breakfast options that are, they take less preparation. Yeah. You got me thinking about what I want to have now when I go back home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So some people will say that you know maybe maybe lunch or dinner is more important. Um, why is it that people often allege that breakfast is the most important meal of the day? So you'll be surprised that is probably a question we get asked about ninety five percent of the time. So from our perspective, we see because we work with a lot of clients with a a variety of health issues or diseases and that's a really really good way why people might use a nutritionist is weight loss so let's say you have a weight loss goal and your number one focus is to lose weight and feel healthy so what we want to do is when we analyze people's like questionnaire pri um, prior what we then see is the reason why you're probably not losing weight is potentially because we're getting up and instead of eating breakfast, we might reach for our morning cup of coffee as almost like an appetite suppressant. So sort of linking still towards your your fasting. Um, intermittent fasting is focused on appetite suppressants. So it's very common where we wake up, we might get a cup of coffee on the way to work or we go to work. And then we're trying to hang out and not eat anything until lunchtime because we've come into the office and there's lots of work to do. And then around the morning, what you feel is you might feel more we call it tired and wired so it's an expression that we use for feeling really weird if you've just had a coffee but you haven't gone without food for a few hours and you might feel a bit more tired a bit more jittery you might have the urge to go for more of the sugary snacks and at this point your body's like almost like an alarm bell so it's signaling my body needs energy now and from experience with clients and where sort of your health focuses lie it's where we need to give power to the body and your body wants to have great consistency and energy all the way through. So there's a variety of things that can happen from that sense. So imagine when we're stressed. So our stress hormone cortisol, it's naturally high in the morning because it needs to be elevated to help us get up. It's almost our signal to get up and get out of bed. If you have coffee on an empty stomach or caffeine, that has the ability to then raise your cortisol hormone, which then in turn raises your stress. And that then destabilizes your blood sugar levels. 
but then that also has the ability, because that's we stabilise that balance, to then start to put on weight, especially in our abdominal area. And excess weight in the abdominal area will increase the risk of things like diabetes and high blood pressure. And we're not saying you can't get up and have a cup of coffee. There are many, many great health benefits to, first of all, intermittent fasting and also having a cup of coffee. But what we want to do is we want to focus on why are we probably reaching for a cup of coffee over food? And it's almost like a habit change. So what your body does is after you've gone to sleep, let's say for eight hours, really actually what we are is we're dehydrated. So if we reach for water the first thing in the morning, that gets your brain working into gear, your energy, and that helps us with adequate sort of water intake in the morning that will start to help us also want to eat breakfast in the morning and see the health benefits from that. There you go, young men. <laughs> I, 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 we yeah. were just discussing that just before you came on. That it's the first, <laughs> the first, it's the first thing I do is have a glass of water, and the last thing I do before I go to bed is a glass of water. And uh, but, yeah, but it's I'm, really important. It's but, a fantastic habit. Fantastic. All good. There you go, gentlemen. <laughs> got our answer, Follow though. suit. Pater, I know you've got some questions. <laughs> so we were having a you know difference of opinion of what the best food for breakfast is. What what would you say is the best food to eat for breakfast? So I'm going to go from a gut perspective here because I work with a lot of people that have dysbiosis and maybe are struggling in this arena. And I think the, like the latest science and research is that we really want to increase our plant food. So I tell you what I really like as a nice, easy breakfast would be like a pot of live natural yogurt. Then we might add some oats to that. That's one of your plant foods. Then we might use some frozen berries because actually they're very cheap, easy, shelf life. Might add some nuts and seeds to maintain that protein and that fat. And then all of a sudden, you have the most incredible gut-friendly breakfast. So we're already all plant foods. Hmm. And I think there's a couple of ways that we can also break that down. We've got obviously our gut health and our easy-to-follow, also very cheap items, and they're all within all, all supermarkets. But we want to think in terms of your protein and your fats coming in as well. So protein, under eaten macronutrients we see especially in the morning so a lot of us focus on protein towards throughout the day and when you have a good amount of protein in the morning obviously you're an athlete or you focus on a lot of um, athletic work or running hmm. what we want to do is we want to actually focus on getting protein at the start of your morning so that could be things like your eggs or if we follow a more vegan diet it could be adding a really nice quality sort of pea protein powder into a smoothie. And in that smoothie or as part of your breakfast, adding healthy fats in is also really important because having fat along with protein helps your protein first will be absorbed into your into your muscles properly, but also to, again, stabilise those blood sugar levels. So it keeps you satisfied, it avoids crashing, it can avoid overeating. And that hits a lot of sort of health targets for a lot of people. So finally, what do you guys have for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> Certainly not a coffee on a mental stomach, guys. No. That doesn't no, answer the question. Right. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to tell you exactly how I started my day today. Because for me, it's all about self-care. 
It's all about respecting my body and its needs. So I started off with a smoothie this morning, a green smoothie with spinach, uh, kiwi, ginger, avocado, celery and cucumber. It's really important I put some fat in there to control those blood sugar levels. So that's how I started my day, Fran. How about you? <laughs> so I'm, I'm the tourist for um, having the same breakfast like for one week and then switching it up the next week just for ease, easiness. But this week I've got Greek yogurt and I have about five different fruits in my fridge and I flip it around every day. So whether I've got some grapes, I've got apples, I've got oranges and I just have that. Um, you can probably add seeds onto it as well, but I think it's just a quick, easy thing. Good protein, good fat, good carbs. Quick and easy to eat as well, which is our... And cost-effective, good shelf life. That's what we're always thinking. Wonderful. Kirsty Thompson, Francesca, thank you so much uh, for... Thank you very much. ...coming on this morning and educating us uh, with uh, the importance um, of breakfast. Uh, I wish you a fantastic day ahead. May peace be with you. Oh, Thank you very Thank much. You. And you too. Thank you. Let's go straight on to our next guest of the morning. We have with us Claire uh, Grandel, who is who manages uh, BANT Science and Education Member Services. This includes the management of nutrition evidence database with regular uh, dissemination of science-based resources to remember to members and NED registrants. She is responsible for the production of webinars, podcasts, and other educational resources for the meeting for the member learning zone and quality assurance of CPD uh, applications to ensure content meets required standards. Claire leads a team of indexers of NED, the CPD committee, webinar, and podcast volunteers. She is the managing editor of NED as part of the editorial board and manages the voluntary expert review panel for the production of enhanced contact of the database. Good morning. Welcome. Assalamu alaikum and peace be on you, Claire. And thank you for coming on to The Breakfast Show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to be here. Um, I use the word band. What is band? <laughs> yes, good question. <laughs> so it's, a, it's an acronym. It stands for the British Association for Nutrition and Lifestyle Medicine. So a bit of a mouthful. So that's why we shorten it to BANT. And it's the leading professional body for registered nutritional therapy practitioners in the UK. And um, we've, we've been around for a while. Last year, we celebrated our 25 years since inception. And we represent a network of about three and a half thousand members across the whole of the UK um, who are in one to one clinical practice or so in private nutrition practice. Um, working with individuals on a daily basis to help them optimize their diets and their lifestyles to, you know, to reduce symptoms that may be associated with a diagnosis that they've got from their GP or simply just to feel great. You know, people that just want to feel better and, and really engage with their lives in a positive way. Um, and then some of our members also work um, as BANT registered nutritionists offering talks and workshops and things in corporate settings and community groups. So really what we're doing is we're promoting nutrition and lifestyle sciences for optimal health, for disease prevention and patient care. And it's very much about individualized recommendations. So our members practice a personalized precision nutrition with people that they're seeing in their clinics and in their community groups. So moving on from that, I want to ask the same question. Um, I think we want to get a lot of perspectives on um, what we believe and what we, what we, our opinions with regards to um, the meals that we have in the day. 
Um, in your professional opinion and with your research that you've done, is, is breakfast uh, deemed the most important one of the day? Well, it's a really interesting question, isn't it? And I didn't, I just caught the end of your previous speakers. So I'm not sure what they were saying. But for me, the important thing is to discuss what we actually mean by breakfast. So if you sort of unpick the word itself, breaking your fast, which is where breakfast comes from, means that, you know, we've fasted overnight, we've not eaten anything overnight. And so breakfast is the first meal of the day. But traditionally, we tend to think of breakfast as something we eat maybe within an hour or so of waking up before we head out for our day. So, you know, the question is, to answer your question, is it the most important meal of the day? Well, honestly, it depends on what, who you are, what stage of life you're at, whether you've currently got underlying health conditions and what those are, and where you're starting from, how you're eating right, right now, how you're feeling right now. Because if we look at the science, there are studies that show an association between <laughs> breakfast skipping and a higher incidence of mental health problems, for example, particularly in children and teenagers. So as a general rule, I would recommend that all children and teenagers have breakfast before they head out to school and college. Um, but conversely, there are studies that show benefits for extending your fast, so actually pushing breakfast later in the day. So you have a longer period of not eating from, from having your dinner at night to then having your first meal in the day. So certain people that have what are known as metabolic disorders, so people that might be struggling with their weight or have raised cholesterol, cholesterol or raised blood pressure may well benefit from, from pushing their breakfast into later on in the day. And for me, the, the most important thing is about what you're choosing to be that first meal rather than when you're having it. Um, and, you know, the, the thing to bear in mind is that we're all completely different. Um, and this is where BANT registered nutritional therapy practitioners really come into their own because they really work with the individual. So it's very much personalized to where that person is starting from, what their condition is, and then we work out what's going to be the best way of them breaking their fast. So what is going to be the best breakfast for them? Claire, that brings me perfectly on to the next question I wanted to ask, because as we are going through the National Hot Breakfast Month, does it make any difference whether we have a hot meal or a cold meal? Is it is it just for just to is, is there any any like regard any value to having a hot meal, or does it not really matter? Oh, it's interesting. I didn't know there was a national hot breakfast month. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many national national days and things. Um, I mean, my opinion on that is that shaking it up actually is one of the most important things. Um, I think one of the things with breakfast is we tend to be very stuck on having the same thing every day and getting some variety into your breakfast can be really good. So, you know, whether you want to have a hot breakfast or a cold breakfast, in my opinion, it doesn't particularly matter. You may on a cold morning be more inclined to have a hot breakfast to sort of really get your metabolism going and get yourself warmed up and, and fired up for the day. But you know, my, my personal opinion is getting variety in to your breakfast is more important than whether it's hot or whether it's cold. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, um, Claire. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for shedding uh, light upon this to topic. For now, take care and have a good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Let's go on to our next guest, who is... We do have online with us Dr. Simon Steenson, who is uh, he has graduated from the University of Nottingham, BSc in Nutritional Biochemistry, after which you have spent 18 months working as a researcher with the Medical Research Council's Human 
Nutrition Research Unit in Cambridge. Uh, so just to start with, please, could you tell our listeners what the British Nutrition Foundation is and what you do? Yeah, sure. Well, we are a uh, charity founded in uh, 1967, so just over 50 years ago now. And we provide impartial evidence-based uh, nutrition advice, uh, resources and training as well uh, to help support everyone to uh, have a healthier and a more sustainable diet. And we we do that through working with a range of different people uh, across our sort of food systems. So not just uh, like researchers and academics, but also health professionals, um, teachers, government, and other NGOs and charities, and and of course, you know, with the media and with uh, with the public as well to get uh, important messages out there. We do have a wide range of, of free information and resources available on on our website. That's nutrition.org.uk. Uh, would you also say that breakfast is the most important meal of the day? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it's a very interesting question, isn't it? I think it's a great uh, sort of the debate. Um, I mean, we heard just now about the importance of breakfast for sort of children and teenagers, and I think that's something yeah, that you know I would I would agree with that it, it can be a very important meal. The reason being, of course, that obviously children and teenagers are still growing, they're still developing, and they really need not just not just some um, not just energy, but other important essential nutrients that um, the kind of breakfast we normally can provide so things like uh, calcium uh, iron uh, iodine which is also in milk as well um, which are, are very important for, for for children but we know of course that you know children going to school hungry and not having enough if they don't have enough nutritious food throughout the day as well then that can obviously really have a big impact on their ability to concentrate um, and, and, to, and to learn effectively so it can of course impact on their energy levels and um, it can be a very important part of, of a successful education, having having a having a breakfast in the morning, so that children can, uh, teenagers can sort of well fulfil their potential. Hmm. Can you recommend any quick and healthy breakfast recipes for people who say that they don't have time to eat breakfast? Yeah, I mean we've 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 heard a few already, but I mean I think a really good one, a personal favourite of mine, especially in winter when it's cold outside, of course, is is uh, oats. Uh, oats and milk or you can have uh, you know another milk alternative that's fortified as well just done in the microwave so you can get either the packets or a big box yourself that microwaves in a few minutes and I mean you can have that with anything it could be sliced banana or kiwi I quite like it if you put it in at the start as well comes out nice and nice and hot and it's nice and sweet it's lovely uh, satsuma or even something like a, a handful of frozen berries if you've got some which can be cheaper and uh, more available and also can you know cut down on things like food waste as well so that can be quite good and that, and that can give you not only some good uh, good fiber and slow release carbohydrates as well to uh, to help um, give you good energy throughout the morning but can also um, help towards getting your five a day as well uh, another good another good um, choice could be something like wholemeal toast with uh, peanut butter and again you could add some sliced banana on there if you like as well so again good for slow release carbohydrates but Peanut butter also provides protein as well as healthier unsaturated fats as well. And um, just one point is that, you know, you can you can have a loaf of bread in the freezer. Um, mm. You don't need to have um, so you can toast it straight from the freezer, which can be a bit more convenient. Um, you know, you could buy the bread when it's on offer, or when it's been reduced, for example, pop it in the freezer and then you can toast straight from the freezer when it's convenient. And that can be cheaper, but it can also cut down on waste as well. Yeah. Simon, you know, as we said, that a lot of people will be will be rushing in the morning, and yeah. um, you know, it's not easy for everyone to just um, to, to heat up some food and warm it up, and it takes a bit of time sometimes, right? And a lot of these these foods which you've mentioned, some of them are, uh, are cold foods. So, I'm going to ask again. I've asked our, pre our previous caller, uh, Claire, 
Um, does it really make a difference if we have our food, our breakfast cold or hot? Um, well, I mean, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd have to agree with what Claire said really on that. That, um, I mean, it, you know, while it can be really pleasant, I think obviously to have a warm breakfast in the morning, something like the, you know, microwaved oats that I just mentioned can be really good, especially if you're, you know, you're you're going out to to like commute to work, for example, or you're working outside, can be really nice. But I think overall, it's it's more important about what you eat for breakfast really than than whether or not it's it's hot or cold, and ensuring that that's that that is healthy and balanced, um, and that it can provide some uh, some fiber, some good slow release carbohydrates, or also some things like uh, protein to help uh, keep you keep you fuller till lunchtime, and mean, mean that you're maybe less likely to snack on on their less healthy things. Um, but of course, we know that with the current cost of living crisis, obviously people are looking to cut. We're all trying to look to cut down our energy usage and including in the kitchen. So that's where using things like the microwave, for example, rather than the hob. Um, or things like the toaster, which is only on for a, a few minutes, um, sort of can help with that. But um, overall, I don't think it matters too much if it's hot or cold. Just try to focus on it being being a healthy, nutritious option. I mean, if you really, really don't have time to prepare anything, that even just grabbing um, a piece of a piece of fruit or a couple of pieces to to take with you to to snack on the go um, is is a good option. And again, it gets you on your way towards five a day. What's uh... Final question. What's your breakfast of the morning that gets you through the day? <laughs> oh, excellent question. Um, I, I mean, uh, well, my partner's a big fan of, uh, of just some peanut butter with a spoon sometimes <laughs> in the morning, which is a, it's not a bad option. But I, I prefer it with some, with some wholemeal toast, uh, maybe with some banana on as well. I just think it's, it's really nice and satisfying. It feels like a treat, but it's actually very, it's quite balanced and healthy. Wonderful. Thank you so much, as always, uh, for taking time out for Breakfast Show. I wish you a fantastic day ahead. May peace be with you. Thank you. We now have Claire Thornton-Wood, um, our next guest on the show. Um, Claire is a registered dietitian and a BDA spokesperson. She, cur- she is currently working in a children's hospital and has particular interest in feeding and eating disorders. Good morning, Claire, and welcome to the show. Peace be Good you. morning. Peace Thank you, you for inviting me. So the first question is, do you... Um, could you, could you please tell our listeners what the BDA is and what you do? Um, give them a, a bit of insight into, that, into what that is, please. Of course, yes. It stands for the British Dietetic Association and it's the professional body for uh, registered dietitians working, um, working in the UK. So they do lots of things. They do things for, uh, for, for the members. So the members can be either registered dietitians or um, dietetic support workers and we even have a category just for students. Um, they have lots of um, education and learning um, that, that, that we can take part in. They also have um, do a lot of sort of campaigning around, um, you know, current issues. So that might be they've done some recently on, um, on free school meals. It might be at, at the beginning of the year they produce a lot of information about fad diets. Um, there's a huge body of um uh, people that do uh, that are media um, media spokespeople, and um, we come onto shows like this, or onto the television, or we we, we um, give quotes to journalists, information to journalists about um, sort of current things around nutrition, and we're just really passionate about trying to make sure that really good evidence, um, you know, scientific based evidence, evidence gets out to the public because there's such a lot of um, information out there and sometimes it can be really difficult for the public to choose, you know, which is a reliable source 
and, and which isn't. Um, the other thing we do is on the on the website, there's lots of information that the public can access directly. So the, there's a really large collection of um, food fact sheets, which um, go into you know various things like you know protein, fat, um, talk about weaning, talk about um, you know specific um, health health issues that you might have. I mean, it's no substitute for seeing a dietitian and it's no substitute for seeing a medical professional, but there's lots of, you know, general advice that people can access there. So we're on a bit of a mission to find out which meal of the day is the most important. We've asked our previous guests as well, and I was thinking perhaps you can give us a different, different perspective on um, what you would advocate for. Is, is breakfast the most important meal of the day? Yeah, I heard, I heard a little bit of your last caller. Um, I, I, I didn't hear all of it. I mean, I think it's personal preference. I think bre- breakfast is an important meal of the day, but obviously it very much depends on what you choose. If you're choosing a, bre- a breakfast based based around a, a chocolate bar or, or, or very sugary cereal, then likely that isn't the most important meal of the day. Um, so I think it's about it's about balance, making sure that what you do have for breakfast, you know, is is, is of good nutritional content, and what what fits in with your lifestyle. Some people really do wake up and, and eat breakfast straight away. Some people think that actually they don't need to eat until much, much, much later in the day. Um, <clears throat> Claire, are there long-term risks of, for skipping breakfast? I don't think there's any long-term risks specifically for skipping breakfast, but obviously if overall skipping breakfast means that then later on in the day you... Um, snack on lots of you know biscuits cakes you know really sort of high fat high sugar foods and obviously there are health impacts you know associated with that such as obesity and diabetes um you know all the things that, mm. that, that we know about um so I, I think actually missing breakfast itself is is isn't necessarily isn't bad um yeah. but it just depends how it impacts later in the day and uh, what does research say regarding intermittent fasting? So there's lots of um, interest and, and um, research into intermittent fasting. It's um, it can be beneficial for for some people. So um, I mean, intermittent fasting can be done in a number of ways. It can be done where um, you have a window during during a 24 hour period where you eat and a window where you don't eat. So a common window that people have is where they fast for 16 hours. So that would generally mean that you have your dinner reasonably early and that you do actually either skip breakfast or have it much, much later in the morning. Um, Other ways of doing intermittent fasting are um, having a couple of days in a week where you only have five or or 600 calories um, and, you know, either suits suits people in terms of the what it does i mean one of the main things it does is it if you're limiting the the amount of time you can you're actually going to eat then often it means you eat less and you are probably less likely to snack um the other thing that we know is that when you do intermittent fasting it has an effect on your metabolism um and it increases your um your human growth factor hormone and it decreases your insulin and, and and that is is beneficial for health and it also is associated with weight loss generally because people are eating less 
it has an effect on your metabolism because what it does is all the time that you're eating, your body uses the food that you're eating in order to fuel itself. Yeah. When you stop eating, we've got stores, but they don't last for very, very long. Once you get to about 16 hours, your body really kicks in and it does begin to burn fat as its fuel source. So that obviously has benefits in terms of um, weight loss. There are people who shouldn't be doing intermittent fasting. Um, it, that's very clear. People who are pre pregnant or breastfeeding children, people under 18 shouldn't be doing it, and nor should people with type 1 diabetes or anyone else with a, a health health condition that might be um, might be directly implicated by it. I think it's important for um, to think about people who might have an eating disorder or have had an eating disorder in the yeah. past. It's not it's not suitable for them. Um, but otherwise, it is something that yes, people can people can try if they feel comfortable for right. it, and there is research to show that it it can be beneficial. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Claire. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. For now, have a good morning. Take care. That's okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. We are coming up to uh, the end of the show. Just want to thank all of our uh, guests for taking time out and coming on to the show. I want to thank uh, thank Khola uh, Hashmi and Safia Nasir. Maria Sheikh, Mehrish Dogar and Namud Sahar for producing and researching uh, today's show. Thank you to Brother Atar and thank you to Brother Noor for joining me this morning um, for a fantastic show where we talked about um, um, <clears throat> how, to, how the country is, how uh, people are being affected by debt um, and uh, for the past hour we've been talking about the importance of Breakfast tomorrow, um, our brothers will be back who will be discussing practicing of feng shui or feng shui and uh, also healthy habits to maintain at home. Um, until we meet again, please remember us in your prayers. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.